You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Good morning, everyone. My name is Mark. I am one of the leaders here at Redeemer, and it's my privilege to be preaching here this morning on the final in our series on Abraham. I hope you've enjoyed the series throughout August. We've learned loads about the faith of Abraham, the call of Abraham. This morning, I'm going to be looking at the challenge of Abraham, the challenge and courage of Abraham, the challenge of picking up your sword and following the Lord no matter what, the challenge of are you really following God's will Are you changed every day by listening to the Spirit? And that challenge is something that we see throughout the Bible, but in Abraham's story is so prevalent in our passage this morning. The challenge of of having children, the test that God gives Abraham in this passage. The challenge of loving something more than your firstborn. If you're like... um, If you're like me, you know, lots of parents around the church, or even if you have a firstborn yourself, my firstborn Levi, as soon as you have that baby, this love is created that you've never experienced anything like before. So I know something of what Abraham was feeling when he he took his son Isaac up that mountain. Thank you for uh, the reading this morning. Um, We're looking at Genesis 22, verses 1 to 14. There are similarities of Abraham's call up the mountain to his initial call to leaving for foreign lands. He's told to go from the stability, uh, from the comfortable and into the unknown. He's told to offer up a lot. We're not just talking about his son, we're talking about his entire status. He's well into his 90s. We know he may well be 100 or so. We know that as a 100-year-old, He has been waiting so long for that heir that God has promised him. We know that Ishmael is gone. That's why it says his only son. Isaac is his only social hope. His only means of support on offer to him and Sarah. And uh, I was fortunate enough to know my grandpa into his hundredth year. He sadly died last year. But I know that he had a long life of faith to God. And he had promises, just like Abraham, of things that were to come. And my my grandpa now has more than 40 descendants. And God had made this promise to Abraham of a descendancy of a nation, which is not to be uh, underestimated by any means. What do we learn about the call of God? God justifies those he calls. The way that we grow in maturity in our calling. How do we grow in God's presence? How do we hear the call? What makes us grow as Christians? I'd like you to think about what you've done to take a call of God recently or even over the last few years. It might be a big call like moving jobs, moving house, getting married, trying to have your first child. Or it might be a simple call like telling someone on the bus about Jesus. Although that probably hasn't happened much in Corona times. I'm very excited about this week coming because my kids are going back to school for the first time in six months. And that is exciting for many reasons, which I shall not bore you with. But one of the reasons is that we get to have a relationship with those parents at the school gate, which I've really missed the last six months, even though it will be a corona-friendly gate and we have to do a one-way system and I'm only allowed at certain times. It will be there. And there'll be a load of relationships that I'll be able to rekindle that I haven't managed to speak with over the last six months. And sometimes God is calling us just to speak with one of those parents or someone at work. Or sometimes he's calling us to be still and to stay put. 
That's a really important call for some of us, particularly people like me who are all over the place and want to do 50 things at once. But it all comes back to what are the foundations of our security? Where have we heard the call? Whether you are religious or not this morning, whether you believe in Jesus or not, it's important to try and work out what your joy and your faith is in because we will all have something. What is our security in? And you can often find that by searching your fears. What are we scared of? What are we scared of losing? Is it, is it our property? Is it our house? Is it our car? Is our security in our job or in our children? Is it in our sex appeal? Is it in our workplace? Where is your security? One of the things that must be non-negotiable in your life is the call of God. Without, without God as our foundation, everything else is, is totally losable. We know it can go in an instant. Our finances, our functions, our self-worth is nothing unless our foundations are rooted in God. Whether it's praying for the lost or doing something in the community. You can't say, I'll become a Christian, but I won't do this or that or this and the other. Our foundation needs to be in God and God ultimately has a call on us. I believe very firmly that God has called me to Ealing, but I know one day, believe it or not, he might call me away from Ealing. I've been very clear with God that it's going to take a lot. It's going to be a big call, but I know that God has called me here right now. And the story of Abraham and Isaac that we are looking at this morning is so difficult to understand primarily because of the promise that God has already made to Abraham about the descendancy through Isaac. And it feels like a contradiction. But I will bring you back to a very famous verse, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And I want to remind you that there is nothing so infinite as God's love for his children, that he sacrificed his own son, Jesus, for all of us. But let's have a look at the text because it is deeply disturbing on some levels. We must not forget the horror of what is being told to us. Are we supposed to understand that the moral is to obey perfectly, no matter how crazy the command is? The problem with reading that horizontally is that we can extrapolate it entirely wrongly in our lives today. And if we were to all go and do what Abraham has been called to do, we'd be in a terrible state. We can't handle that story. Or should Abraham have said no to God? Was that the test? Well, as we look at, as we look at the text and has been reading for this preach and understanding some of the commentaries, we understand that actually what God was asking Abraham to sacrifice was far bigger than just his firstborn. And that's because of the promises that God has already given Abraham around his descendancy and around the many nations and the nation of Israel that is to come. We know that as an heir of Abraham, sacrificing something wasn't totally misunderstandable or nutty as an idea to Abraham. We don't live uh, in the same type of culture as he lived. We live in a very individualistic culture today, which I'll talk about in a moment. But Abraham was obedient to God. But Isaac, who doesn't often get mentioned as part of this primary part of the story, don't think of Isaac as sort of a three or four year old toddler. He was given the weight of the wood to carry. We know 
the amount of wood that would be needed to sacrifice a ram, a, a big ram, would have been a ton of wood. And we know that Abraham was well into his 90s. So we can imagine that Isaac was probably late teens, maybe even adolescent or early 20s. He was fully aware of what was going on as he went up that mountain. And he was a part of it and he was, he was happy to be part of it. And there are incredible similarities between this story and the story of Jesus at Easter and Jesus dying on the cross. Just like we know about Jesus having three days um, in the tomb, Abraham had three days to consider the death of his own son. As soon as God gave him the call, Abraham got up the next morning and went. He had three days to consider the death of Isaac. Isaac had to carry the wood up the mountain, just like Christ had to carry his own cross up the mountain to Calvary. They went in peace together. It's a true reflection of Jesus and the Father going to do a joint piece of work somehow in peace together. Abraham and Isaac went up that mountain in peace. Isaac was bound to the wood. Christ was bound to the wood. But Christ is not fully typified by Isaac because in the story of Isaac, of course, God provides the ram as the sacrifice. Whereas Jesus genuinely did die on the cross and he did give his life for us. On the third day, the father, Abraham, rejoiced and descended the mountain with his son. Jesus was dead, but on the third day, he rose again and came down the mountain. We need to understand that back then, thousands of years ago, the oldest, got, the oldest or the firstborn got all the inheritance because so much of your worth, so much of your family's worth was based on your land and on your, on your cattle and on your wealth. That if you split it three ways, say you had three children like I do, and you split it three ways, you've immediately reduced the size of that inheritance. So the oldest gets the inheritance, and critically, the oldest is the benefactor for the rest of the family. The oldest has to look after the rest of the family. And they understood that the life of the firstborn is payment unless redeemed. They understood that the life of the firstborn is a forfeit, a debt of the sin that the family holds is on him. Abraham knew what the ancient Hebrews knew, that there is a God of justice and that ultimately we owe a debt of sin to him. Abraham would have understood that and that he, God was calling in the debt. I want you to read Hebrews 11 with me because it talks of the faith throughout the biblical history of all the prophets that we, that we know the stories of. Time and again, Abraham and others, they, they understand the promise of God and yet they still go along with the command of God. And it's a really important thing that we should understand this morning. So I'm going to read to you snippets of Hebrews 11. It's a much longer chapter and I'm not going to read everything. It says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the whole entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. 
he obeyed God. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land. It was by faith that Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and too old. And all these people died still believing what God had promised them. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice to God when God was testing him. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings to his future sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, confidently said the people of Israel would leave Egypt. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him in the reeds for three months. It was by faith that the Israelites escaped through the Red Sea on dry land. It was by faith the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, David, Samuel and all the other prophets. By faith these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. Here's an incredible recount of the faith that these prophets had in God because they knew that God was bigger than themselves. Abraham reasoned that God could bring Isaac back from the dead. He had utter faith that if he did have to sacrifice Isaac, that God's promises would still be true. How is it that the command of God apparently contradicts the promise of God? How can God command also be a God of promise? Are we willing to give up God's own gift of promise? How, can, how gracious can a holy God be? How can the just and be the justifier? And that is the wonder of the Lamb. That is the wonder of the story of Jesus. At this point in the story, the Bible slows the story right down as they walk up the hill. Observe Abraham's confident promise to his son. We will worship and then we will come back to you as he speaks to his servants and the donkeys. When, while Abraham is fully prepared to offer Isaac as a sacrifice, he is also fully confident that God will keep his promises, that Isaac himself will be the heir to the covenant and have the descendants. This is obedient faith in action. You might have your own promise from God that you believe God has spoken over you. God tests us in order to show off our character to others. When Abby and I lost our third-born son, who actually was called Isaac as well, God's peace shone through. And friends asked us, why do you not feel angry? But we did not because we had the peace of God. God gave us this peace that I have never experienced in times of trauma. There are so many times in the Bible when characters are suffering, apparently for God's promises. Abraham's faith on this mountain in Mount Moriah has inspired countless generations to faith in God and a commitment to God that goes beyond the ordinary. As we deal with life struggles here in Ealing 2020, our actions speak much louder at many times than our words ever can. It's in Matthew 5. And our confidence in God and words of testimony after such a trial bring faith and glory to God. 
God is a God of command and of promise. Abraham couldn't have walked up that mountain moralistic, and he also couldn't have been a modernist without understanding the depth of sin that he carried and his family carried. We ultimately believe in a cross because of the ultimate sacrifice of what Jesus has done for us, but we don't understand that unless we understand God's incredible love, and we also don't get it unless we understand our incredible debt to him. The two must go hand in hand. We have to turn to God and say, you are my hope. God, you are my approver and only you. You will never get up that mountain, the proverbial mountain in your life, unless you understand the utter forsakenness and the ultimate ultimate sacrifice that he has given for us. So I come back to the courage, the call and the courage of Abraham and the courage that God has given you in your life because he has the ultimate call on your life and his promises are the greatest. He must become the non-negotiable part of your life.